We're about to kick off an all-new issue of Geek in the City Radio, brought to you by the fine folks over at, where else? Geekinthecity.com. If you enjoy this show, and I think you do, the best way to help us out is just spread the word. Uh, tell everybody that you enjoy listening to Geek in the City Radio on whatever social media platform you use, as well as giving us a five-star review on sites like iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify or iHeartRadio. Those reviews go much farther than you would ever imagine in helping us climb the metrics, which uh, just gets us more listeners, which just makes us a bigger and more nerdier family for everyone to enjoy, which we're going to do right now with an all-new issue of Geek in the City Radio. Stuff that makes you scream and shout. Hit the red alert. We're going more back to 12. Thanks for pressing play. Now we're gonna save the day. Alright. Why hello and welcome to issue 644 of Geek in the City Radio. I'm one of your hosts, Aaron Duran. I'm one of your other hosts, Spinarita. And I am your other other host, Cable Hashitani. How's it going, everybody? Good. Nice. I thought I was going to see, like, a biker disfigured by reckless Portland drivers on my way home today, but... Cool, cool. But I didn't. Uh, it just made me, like, run, made me late-ish and everything. I mean, not, not everything was fine, but... Right, I get it. <laughs> Me personally, not traumatized. I hope that that biker is okay. Yeah, yeah that's fair. That works for you. <laughs> Hoping that the biker's horrible day did not impact you in any way is what you're. I know. Well, you're like we're talking about like how our days went, and uh, you know, I, I realized halfway through, I'm like, that person could still be like really poorly off right now, even though they seemed okay. But I'm making it about me, and I'm like. This isn't where I want it. This isn't. This is what I want to be doing right now. Well, I mean, we didn't ask. I mean, it. Would, I think it's perfectly fine for you to answer like, "I'm doing good," you know. And then, like, you could have just ended it there. It would have been bad if you'd have been. I feel good. I feel a lot better than the dude who got hit on my way home. Waka waka. Like that's that. That would have been the line. I'd like to think that I uh, no longer reach those peaks of insensitivity anymore. At least not on camera. I mean... No, I'm missing with you. It's, yeah, yes, I, you misinterpreted me, all right? You, you, you read what I said totally wrong. I didn't mean no. it like that. What are we talking about now? I don't know. You, 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 you. The other day, you said I was like, "Oh yeah, that's a that's a great backhanded compliment." Thanks, Bean. And I'm like, "Oh yeah," but it wasn't oh. supposed to be. Cable, <laughs> okay, are you enjoying our couples counseling here? I'm making notes. <laughs> fighting again. Oh uh, yes. Yeah. Also, mm -hmm. it turns out that uh, my constant worry about being misunderstood in in this way that we're joking about right now I, might be a form of anxiety. It might, or, and, and or it might just be like an ADHD thing. It typically is an ADHD trait. 
-hmm. where you over-explain in order to keep from being misunderstood. And Mm -hmm. usually Mm -hmm. you over-explain to the extent that you are misunderstood. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, That also explains why many of my emails or texts, even to you two, will often end with, does that make sense? It's not because I think either of you are dumb. It's because I think I'm sounding like an idiot. And usually when someone asks me, like, does that make sense? I'm like, yeah, you don't need to keep checking in. It, it made sense. It could not be more more sensical. <laughs> oh, if only our brains worked that way. Brains are bastards. Yeah. I'd rather have mine filled with straw. The scarecrow came out okay. He did fine. Yeah, I guess he got a brain in the end. He right. got a degree, which <laughs> was an indication that oh, he right. therefore had a brain. Well, now I hate him, not because he has a degree, but he did it without any student debt. Well, those were different times. Yeah, that's true. That was the Depression era. That's true. I was about to say, like, shows him, I can't be lit on fire, but that's not true. I can be lit on fire. I it's mean, just really, not everything. Easy. Yeah, that's true. Well, it all depends on how, like, cooking went like if i had a mistake with the oil i I, i'm going to caution us going down that particular road today (laughs) okay just today there was a person who set himself on fire to protest climate change at the steps of the Capitol two days ago i did not hear anything about this that's because every major news source buried it the only thing that they added was Police say it's not terrorism. That was it. How is that not a top headline? Because it points the finger at corporate America. Yeah. Because America? Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, yeah. So we're not talking about that tonight. Uh, no. Uh, no. I mean, sort of we are. Um, right, well, I guess what I mean is like, we're going to be talking about a movie that has no immolation, conflagration, whatsoever. If memory serves. I'm taking a more broad interpretation of <laughs> it is, of course, talking about exactly that. Because it is talking about everything. <laughs> okay, I see. I it see. does have very cringy paper cuts, though. <laughs> Which was the hardest thing for me in that movie to watch. I went, no, stop it. I have one just on the tip of my finger, and it is the uh, they were, of they my were these ones, right which now. are the worst. No, no, I'm just, I'm just saying. Like, I just have like a like a standard one in a non delicate area, and it is ruining my life. I, I think oh. the fact that the, what made it the worst was that it was deliberately inflicted. Ugh. Well, should we just jump right in then since we're... <laughs> <laughs> well, are we done talking about our days? Uh, my day, again, was a mixed bag. It's fine. Like, yeah, I mean, that was that I, was me. I went to work. I came home. Uh, there, yeah. There's stuff. Mm-hmm. There's good stuff. There's weird stuff. Yeah, I, spent- I don't think there's any bad stuff. So, you know. It's donut day at work. Donut day. Mm, yeah. Donut. I mean, like, it's my donut day, day because I provide the donuts. So. Wow, donut day, arts and crafts. Man, Fridays are usually my arts and crafts days at work. 
where I'm like, I cannot brain. I'm going to take on an art project that the store needs. I just stressed out trying to remind people that season the Bruja number two comes out tomorrow. Oh, it comes out tomorrow. Well, if you're listening to it live tomorrow, if you listen to the podcast, it's out now. Go, go get it. Just, just yeah. here, put your headphones in and go. Yeah. And don't, never mind. What? I love it when I'll get, I'll get messages sometimes being like, I got to remember to get around to it. And then if it's out in their stores, they're like, they didn't have it. I was like, well, did, did you go a month ago? No. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> but whatever. It's fine. You haven't got yours yet, have you, Bean? No, I have. I haven't been to a comic book store in a while. That's fine. It's probably in your box somewhere. Probably. Mm. But yeah, number two comes out tomorrow. It's already getting some more early good reviews, which is cool. So far, it's been positive. Like the whole series has been pretty positively reviewed so far, uh, which is awesome. The, Sweet. The the closest that I've seen to a like even moderately negative review was a reviewer that was bothered that by the end of issue one, they didn't understand everything that was going on. I was like, oh, okay. Huh. It's not, it's not over though. It, it, it just started. Yeah, but the, you're supposed to tell them what everything is about at the beginning so that they know that they should keep reading or so that they can be done and not read anymore. Yeah. I'm never going to do that with my stories. It's it's too much work. <laughs> Why don't you just come to their house and read them what you just tell them what you're thinking about. Right. <laughs> what you want to write. Just slide into my DMs, man. I'll tell you everything that happens. Just send them all your outlines. Yeah, just promise you got to finish buying the series. I'll tell you the whole damn thing if you really that that's how you roll. Um the <laughs> I think what that is a uh, traditionally what patrons would do it's like i want this art all to myself i'm going to buy this artist and put them in a house on my property and when i feel like looking at art or hearing art or what have you i i will just have them come to the big house and entertain me you know what i, I will do that <laughs> it's fine now we have a <laughs> patreon and it gets taxed yeah i don't Patreon's also very stressful for writers. Patreon does much better on visual storytelling. Sure, visual creators. It, it it's I think it's uh, works well for um, visual and auditory media. Written media does take a little more of a challenge because it's more work. And if you're a sex worker, well, it's just right out. Well, because I, 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 I think part of the problem is that like. People still expect it to be transactional. The, the, you know, to be a patron is not necessarily is not strictly meant to be. I've given you X amount of money, so you owe me X amount of product, whatever, like whatever format that comes in. But the Patreon format does sort of still, you know, the more you pay, the more you get back, and I, I, I get that that's meant to incentivize, but it also puts a lot of pressure on creators to, every yes. on a schedule, provide you know like from like like 
anywhere from like tidbits of something to full on like gift level product content whatever the case is it's almost like the problem is capitalism yeah hmm. <laughs> I, try, I try not to bring up my patreon too often which sounds kind of counterproductive but 80 percent of the time when i bring it up i either have a someone lower their amount or cancel it because they forget that they had it and they're like oh yeah i should have canceled that a long time ago oh yeah it's not depressing at all I I had a Patreon thing going because I specifically wanted to I, I wanted what they were offering. Like they're, they 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 seem to be doing pretty well in terms of like their small business and their patronage. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and that's actually why I ended up leaving it is because one of their things was like the Discord, which I mean like I wasn't seeking the Discord, but I'm like, well, I'm here, so I might as well participate. And it was oh overwhelming even when i had like nothing else going on in my day i'm like this is this is too much going on and i'm like and uh, yeah i ended up well, i mean I, I ended up canceling it because i got laid off and i was like i don't know what the money is gonna look like for a while so oh yeah no i've i've had a lower one of mine on a, a patron patron that i really quite enjoy and find entertaining and helpful and i did have to drop it when my income recently has been much lower um and I said that like when I did it I wrote them like a paragraph like I'm so sorry I, I like I felt guilty I was like as soon as my money comes back I want to go back to this level because I really enjoy it and um you know so there's that I I get uh I get what you talk about with uh discords being overwhelming uh mm-hmm. being like I'm literally only in two discords and one of them is one that I manage and that's more than enough. <laughs> especially so. as, 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 especially if like you're on multiple discords and there's a lot of overlap mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. with like who's on them. I'm like, okay, so this is like having three different Facebook, Facebook accounts or like Facebook type platforms <laughs> But mm-hmm. all, most of all your friends are on all of them. And so you're, you're seeing a lot of the same content, but it's mm-hmm. taking you like three times as long to, to get through it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I'm, and I'm easily distracted. So. Yeah. I, I have on more than one occasion, it still entertain the thought of just like nuking my social media to the point where I'm following 12 people and that's it. <laughs> Yeah, I wish I could do that. I lack the luxury of being to do that. Of following them? Oh, no, I meant just being on them. Oh, following's different. I mean I mean specifically following only like like I'd follow the two of you, I'd follow Merrick, like I I'm sure that there's like eight other people that I'd go, yeah, man, well, let's follow them and then just done. Right. <laughs> That's not a bad idea for like all platforms, really. But yep. then I'm like, I don't know. Then I would get all up in my head about like, oh, I unfollowed you because we haven't spoken since high school and I'm almost 40 now. Uh, but like, I don't know. Like, will that hurt their feelings? <laughs> Does it matter? Eh, that's a really good point. Only one person has ever like come around and been like, why'd you unfriend me on Facebook? And uh 
And? And I didn't respond because I want nothing to do with them. There you go. So. <laughs> See, and uh, like the, the the counter that I have to that is like, is someone going to get offended if I just suddenly unfollow them? It's like, wait, if I've been offended when people have randomly unfollowed me? No, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even notice. So. Right. Well, that was a weird tangent. Issue two comes out on Wednesday. <laughs> Issue two comes out on Wednesday. Go get yeah. season of the Bruja. Yes, please. That would be awesome. <laughs> uh, so should we dump it? Dump it. Jump into everywhere, everything, all at once. I, I think so. And, and like we've said before, uh, if you have not seen everything, everywhere, all at once yet and plan to, you might want to skip ahead uh, to close to the end of the show where we probably start talking about uh, Avatar <laughs> so that we don't spoil anything for you. Yeah. Also, go see it. Yeah. I, well, I mean, even though it's doing pretty well for for the scope of, of its release, uh, there's still only like one, like two or three theaters in the entire metro area that are showing it. So it can be tricky for people to go see it. Oh, I don't think I... I don't... I don't... I was not aware of, the, of it being a limited release. Well, it, it's the size of releases that A24 does. They don't do massive releases. Mm-hmm. It is. Is it still playing at the Hollywood? I believe so, yeah. It's still at the Academy. I think Century Eastport or whatever has like a screen for like two showings a day. It's also at uh, uh, Living Room. Ooh. Oh, that would have been good. It was. That was where we saw it. Yeah. I went to see it at the Hollywood. Yeah, we saw it at the Academy. All we, cool places. We, we covered a, a bunch of the independent theaters. Support your independent theaters in your hometown, folks. That's right. So, right. and speaking of spoilers also, it's like... I would say don't feel like you have to tune out because it's almost a spoiler-proof movie in that there isn't some plot point that makes you go like, ah, you know, it, that's not, it's just not that kind of movie. This is true. And it's also knowing the plot or knowing points about the movie doesn't. Yeah. Sorry. To reiterate what you said, it is spoiler proof in that way in that, the importance of this movie is your own personal experience with it. Right. That's yeah. everyone's experience with this movie is different based on who they are and, and, and uh, what kind of life they're having, right. um, what kind of life they've had um, mm. or where they're at in their life. That's a very good way of putting that. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, when I went and saw this, this immediately, I started rejuggling my top 10 movies in my head because this went on that list. Like, I think it's sitting firmly behind uh, Buckaroo Banzai, to be quite honest. Buckaroo Banzai is my number one. Um, So now it's Buckaroo Banzai, everything, and then Big Trouble. (laughs) In Little China, Big Trouble in Little China, not Big Trouble. Yeah, that's a completely different movie. (laughs) Um, Yes. (laughs) <laughs> there is a uh, 
if you were going to cover any school of uh, philosophical thought or several schools of philosophical thought in a popular movie, you can do it one of two ways. One is successful and one is not. Um, you can either be very serious, take yourself very serious and be very serious to the topic and um, cover everything that you would cover in a philosophy one-on-one class. And that's going to bore the shit out of your audience. <laughs> or you can realize that trying to explain philosophy through a popular movie is absolutely absurd. And you turn directly into that. That mm -hmm. is the only way discussing philosophy in movies works. And that's what sure. this movie does. Yeah. Um, I mean, we can give like a quick little, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I, I like that it opened, I, I like basically that it's plot or it's story when it starts is very much that cliche phrase that is also true. Uh, this, everything that no one, the only thing that no one can avoid, I'm saying it horribly, is death, taxes, and also laundry. Mm-hmm. We all have to fucking deal with that. One of them only once as a rule, but the rest of them, we have to deal with it all the time, yep. over and over. It it's ridiculous that the, the actual plot of the movie is Chinese matri Chinese American matriarch does her taxes. That's yeah. <laughs> that's the plot of the movie. Yeah, and and plans birthday party, right? Or New yeah, Year's so party. New Year's party uh, with her father coming in from China. Mm -hmm. Um her husband wanting to address their, their marital issues mm -hmm. and uh, their daughter wanting to bring her girlfriend to the grandpa's to, party, to, to the party so that she can officially like announce, like, you know, Michelle Yeoh's character just keeps saying like, it's your friend, it's your friend. And she's like, mom, no, it's not just my friend. Uh, her dad seems totally fine with it. He's super excited when the girlfriend comes over because his daughter's happy. So he's happy. Mm -hmm. Um, the grandfather deals with it completely differently at various stages in the film. <laughs> um, yeah. And then it's, it, and that all sounds really kind of benign and almost banal. Like I think that's the point. Yes, it is. It's just the tedious nature of life as we've built it. You're overwhelmed by your career. Like your relationship maybe takes a backseat. Your kids have their own life. And every once in a while, you all try to get together and have this party where you put on your best faces. Rinse, repeat. You know? Um, they're getting audited by the character played by Jamie Lee Curtis, who is clearly having the time of her fucking life making this movie, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think she's ever played a character quite like this before. Uh, I don't even, even just like the... The plain, you know, like foil core core character, however you want to describe that, like Deidre, that like prime universe that everything starts from. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, she's she's a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, and then things get weird because an alternate dimension Wayman shows up. Universe. Universe. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, Wayman shows up, who is her husband, played by uh, Kihu Kwan. Um, yeah, and then literally, like, all multi-universe hell breaks loose. We kind of just go from there, I guess. So, uh, 
I think it's one of like the, I don't know that it's the first ever, but it feels like the first ever movie where uh, it's it's the chosen one, right? Like the the, the that sort of concept is it is a woman. Mm-hmm. They they have like searched high and low for that the one person they think can actually save the day from the big bad menace, uh, and it's it's not only a woman, but it's an Asian woman and older mm-hmm. and and much older yes yeah i mean there's probably been some movies that have hinted at it like you could argue that ray is the new chosen one within the star wars universe but that's not the focal point of her that arc is not the focal point of the story well and even if she was that's just like the next generation it still started out with a dude yeah 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 um yeah, I mean, for me, the best way to for me to review this is just kind of to go through some of the emotional beats for me, not even like the story elements, although there mm-hmm. are story elements that like I was not ready for. Um, I was not ready for a compelling fucking fanny pack foo fight. Like I never expected a fanny pack to ever look that badass. It's kind of it, great. Did you listen to the interview with a uh, Kehua Khan about that? Mm-hmm. Fuck. Oh, I was going to listen to all of them and I forgot. Yeah. That was take two. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Oh, wow. He screwed yeah. the pooch on take one. He, he he commented on the fact that take one did not go well and he looked over at the Daniels and he <laughs> saw panic on their face of like, oh, fuck. We don't have enough time to reshoot this more than... Yeah. Like, if this doesn't work, this doesn't work. So take two was the fight that we all saw. Yeah. He got that in two takes. Which is just pretty freaking mind-blowing. Um, yeah, yeah. like, again, for me, it's like the different, it's the different emotional arcs that, that have, you know, the, the hits for me. Um, watching Michelle Yeoh able to switch emotions so quickly depending on how she is jumping mm-hmm. um, and and make it seem completely natural in every way. It does not feel artificial. She goes from despondent to rage to uh, legit movie star. Like uh, she's jumping around all within sometimes when she's sitting in the same chair. Um, and it's just, it's just mind blowing the performance that she gives in this film. It's simply amazing. Which is why she did the movie in the first place. Like, that that's what she got. She said that she got from the script. Mm-hmm. She's like, oh, I, I have to do this. This will actually allow me to show people what I can do on screen. Yeah. Um, and it's funny. I've heard a few people that, like, they're kind of surprised to, to like, see some of her um, comedy timing. And I'm like, I'm not. You, you haven't watched enough Michelle Yeoh movies then. Like... Mm-hmm. Like, especially, say what you will about her character in Star Trek Discovery, but um, the Empress, like, lives or dies on her snarky comedic timing. Mm-hmm. Like, her performance. And, you know, she just, like, nails that stuff. Yeah, that's um, one of her major superpowers. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. yeah. Her ability to cripple you with that, and then an eye roll, you know, mm-hmm. is impressive. Uh, she can deactivate holograms by blinking at them. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, Hiku Kwan's character, uh, or K, I just reversed it. Key. Sorry. Key. Key. 
Hui. Yeah, Hui Quan. Quan. My brain literally flipped his name on me. Sure. Which is fun. Um, he I, was. Go ahead. Uh, no, I was. I was just going to say I spend a lot of time practicing these names, just sitting around saying them out loud to get used to saying them because it's it's tricky. Right. Um. He was for me. His portrayal of Waymond was probably. That was the big. That was the big emotional gut punch for me. Mm-hmm. Um, his position within the family, um, kind of regardless of the universe he's in, he kind of always has the same role, just to different extremes and and levels. He got to portray different versions of himself, but none of those versions were wildly different. He's he's almost like the constant in in her life. Right. Even even in the universe where they did not end up together. Mm-hmm. Even in the universe where humans evolved to have hot dog fingers. Although he doesn't show up in that one. You're right. No. There's this that is one of the universes that we spend we do spend a lot of time in, even though it's not exactly vital to events. I, until, I until it is. Eventually it becomes like super it, useful, the hot dog yeah. hands. It's played for laughs, but it's also played for that shows that allows two complete strangers who were brought together by bureaucracy Mm -hmm. to form an emotional connection Mm -hmm. to one another. Like that, that is the bridge between Evelyn and Deidre. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Especially when in the, I guess, prime universe, there is a subtle theme with Evelyn and a not so subtle theme with Deidre is that they are worried that they are not lovable and are not worthy of love. Mm-hmm. So in the ridiculous hot dog for fingers universe, that's how they juxtapose that, that these two are actually should be together in this universe, which allows them to realize in their own, or at least through Evelyn, that they are both worthy. So um, uh, I, I do think that I must, I most appreciate Stephanie Sue's characters, though, shoot. because shoot, uh, yeah, uh, she corrected an interviewer. It is it's H S U, but it is pronounced shoe. So it's Stephanie Shoe. Gotcha. So try to like cement that in my brain right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so Stephanie Shoe, she plays the fewest number of characters. Um, Does she? <laughs> objectively, I, sure. I, I, suppose, I suppose it could be argued, but even though there are multiple iterations of her, and like she gets, she, oh my gosh, she gets to have like the most amazing, like aesthetic vibes everywhere she shows up. She does get the best costumes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. But I was, I, I, to me, it felt like she played the fewest number of individual characters because she's she's one iteration who is traveling to the different universes uh, where she's usually destroying other versions of herself, right? Yes. So she, talking about schools of philosoph- philosophical thought, she has em- embraced nihilism to its fullest yes. degree. Uh, in that she understands or believes that she understands everything. She put everything on a bagel. 
Everything. Everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was what showed her that it's like, oh, absolutely nothing matters. Nothing. Because everything matters, so nothing matters. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is a if you've ever had to have a conversation with someone who's a diehard nihilist, um, it, it's hard. <laughs> like, how do you convince someone who is convinced that nothing matters, that something matters, right. that they matter, that anything? Um, right. <clears throat> yeah. Um, I mean, you go for the obvious joke and say, well, you are matter, so. Um <laughs> Uh, but so, so she gets to she gets to play this like s- extreme version of of her character, um, who's like not not only like a diehard nihilist, but is also like you know how do I phrase it? it, it like she she's dangerous because of it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you could argue that like she like. Even death means nothing to her, um, and then that cor- directly links her to her like the core version of her character, like the the, the in the mundane world. Um, at no point do they ever really come out and say it, but like like she talks about like how much she struggles and like how easy it would be if like people would just let go, and it's it's two sides of the same coin. She's just mm-hmm. like really she, that, that version of, of the character is, is trying so hard to just like get through life and, and be seen and be appreciated for who she is. And like, just like, just get the fuck along with her mom. Um, <clears throat> and that? like, she never says it, but it sounds like sometimes she doesn't think that it's worth trying. And that's one of those central themes that I believe is what helps people connect to this movie, mm-hmm. especially in the past two years. How many of us have been there? How many of us have felt that way? Oh man, that, I think I was there a couple times last week. See, like that—that's <laughs> the—that's the beauty of um, Jobu. Uh, is that they're right. <laughs> um, and that's like it, at some, at some point in our lives, whether we have acknowledged it or not, we have been Jobu. We have gone, mm-hmm. fuck, none of this matters. <laughs> none of this matters. Why, why am I doing this? Why do I still hang around? And we, those of us who successfully, not successfully, but one of the ways to manage that particular feeling is to be your own Evelyn, which is the person that says, yeah, I, I've been there. I'm still here because things do matter. Right. And like, that was, it, it was amazing that that was such a simple theme that this movie was trying to get across is that we just want to be loved. We want to be needed and we want, we need at some level, someone to validate the fact that 
we know that you feel hopeless. It's not that there are things to still have hope for. Um, uh, I, I think that was the, uh, the key person. <laughs> Sorry, that was not a pun. The key person mm-hmm. to do that was Waymond played by key. Um, in that his, you're right about him being a constant in all the universe. The constant core at him is what he said to Evelyn, um, which was like, stop doing all of this. Like she's ready to fight. Everyone's ready to fight. She's like, you've, there is another way. There is always another way. And that way is kindness. You have to be kind. Just be kind. I actually memorized his line because it messed me up so hard. Please. Uh, you think because I'm kind, it means I'm naive. And maybe I am. It's strategic and necessary. This is how I fight. Yeah. I was a wreck from then on. <laughs> oh, I, I spent most of the movie in tears. <laughs> Yes, let's get that out of the way right now. It's like pack some fucking Kleenex or like steal extra napkins from the dispenser because you're gonna fucking need it, man. Yeah. Uh no, I I had to go home and take a nap. That was, I was just shook uh, by how many different things that this movie made me feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And not just like, and for folks who don't know, like the whole movie isn't a bunch of you going like, oh my God. But there are also times where you're just laughing your ass off at yeah. moments too. Yeah, yeah. Again, there's a, there's a universe where everyone has hot dogs for hang, finger, fingers and there is a lot of hot dog in mouth and then like <laughs> splurts of mustard Nacho and cheese. ketchup. Oh, and I'm mustard, like, that is, is that, I also, it, it does look more like nacho cheese, but I think it's supposed to be mustard because it's mustard and ketchup. If you're yep. eating nacho cheese and ketchup on your hot dogs, you're a monster. Don't at me. Um, yeah, I was, so yeah, yeah, but but regardless of what the ingredients are, why are they gushing from people's mouths? Is it saliva? Is this how they sex in Hot Dog Hand Universe? Do you really want to know? I mean, do we want to go down this <laughs> no, road? No, no we no, don't. We don't. We don't want to go. She asked the question. Rhetorical. She didn't want the answer. No, right. No, no I almost never. When I, when I ask questions in that cadence, in you know, like just <clears throat> rapid fire, don't answer any of them. It's, um, it's purely... Um, rhetorical. There's I, I also mean, a like... scene where there's uh, that someone is using two enormous dildos like nunchucks. Mm-hmm. That is mm-hmm. that is purely for laughs. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I, I, I as is the butt plug to... scene. Oh my oh god! Oh my god! So when that trophy shows up in Act One, oh, you, that know, no, you yeah. fucking knew it was going to get used. That's Chekhov's butt plug right there. Um, uh, so I hope you watched it. So what I what I love about that is the the guy in that fight scene. I immediately looked at it and went, "Huh, that's Death Dealer from Shang Chi." Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is yes. Yep. Um, can I, I'm going to say his name. Uh, where did he go? That's uh, Andy Lee, Andy. right? Andy Lee, um, and his brother Brian Lee was the other one. Uh, so in that fight scene, but yeah, no, they he... are, what's great is they are credited as alpha jumper trophy and alpha jumper, bigger trophy. Mm-hmm. 
which means butt plug and probably in plunger. Spoilers. Yep. But uh, it doesn't give anything away. People are no. going to be like, what the fuck no. are they talking about? And then they're going to get the scene and be like, oh, that's it. Yeah. Like, we can tell you all of these things. You have to watch this. This has to be an experience of your own. Um, because telling you about the movie does nothing. No. You have to experience the movie. We talked about this, uh, you know, right after the movie came out. Uh, if you're, if you want an idea, I guess, of what you're getting into, uh, there is uh, the Daniels' other productions. The music video turned out for what? Turned out for what? From from <laughs> the late great poets. Uh, what's his face? And uh, a movie that I really love, and I actually ended up watching it again that same weekend that we went to go see Everywhere, uh, Everything Everywhere, is uh, Swiss Army Man, mm-hmm. which I, th- I think you need both of them to like get a good feel for what you're going to get in this movie, um, because they're, they're two very different products, uh, but you, you get something... You get tastes of that in this movie from both of them. Yeah. I like in the, when he was on, they call us Bruce Kwan and mentioned that he didn't even pause when the, when the Davids gave him the script. Cause they're like, these are the, these are the two men that made me love a movie with a farting corpse. Mm-hmm. He's like, I, I, I knew I wanted to be in it, you know? And that movie also like has a, a really big message of like, why do we exist? Like, what are, what are we here for? What is the point of us and each other? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, I don't know, like, objectively, if you told me, like, well, what's this movie about? Oh, well, it's really going to make you think about, like, how we treat each other as a society and, like, what really matters to you? Like, you know, like, when, you, when you're on your deathbed, how do you want to feel about your life? Uh, that doesn't really sound super appealing as, like, a pitch for a movie I want to watch. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, that's that's like really what the Daniels seek to to do with their storytelling is like really fucking gut punch you with your own existence. <laughs> and and to no small degree, the music video for "Turn Down for What" also has these same elements. <laughs> yeah, it's really weird, but it's I'm not wrong. <laughs> No, no, you're not wrong. I, <laughs> I, I think I'm. I focus a lot more on like the the offensive parts of the music video, or and I'm just like, I didn't need any of this. But, uh, but that's wrong. That's unfair. There actually is a very similar message in that music video, mm-hmm. uh, and it's uh, you know, yeah, like if you wanted to boil it down, it's like find your fucking joy, bitch. I find it fascinating that um, not only is that the Daniels production, it actually, the lead character in the music video for Turn Down for What is Daniel Kwan of the Daniels. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and he he's also talked about this in uh, interviews. The interviews that we keep mentioning to plug another show entirely that we have no connection to yet um, is uh, they call us Bruce. Um, I need to get that fucking email together and get it sent over. Um, uh, but yeah, they call us Bruce has, um, 
a full spoiler filled review of the movie and then three interviews from the press junket that they did for the movie. So they have an interview with uh, Kei Huey Kwan. They have an interview with Daniel Kwan and Stephanie Shu together. And then they have an interview with uh, uh, Michelle Yeoh or Yo Chuking. Um, and they, they're all great. They're all great to listen to. And they all kind of cry about the fact that they were in this movie. Like yeah. tears of joy. Um, I, it, I think for as much as uh, the, the two hosts of that show love uh, Michelle Yeoh, that they spent the most time geeking out over Kehui Kwan. Which it's makes like, sense considering their background. Yes. And because the, and, and their ages, they're like, you were our guy. You were our guy. We, you were the Asian kid in these huge movies. We could go, I can see myself in this movie because I can literally see an Asian kid in this movie. Right. Um, is one of the leads. So, uh, yeah, his journey back to being in front of the camera instead of behind it is is uh, fascinating and <clears throat> depressing and frustrating, but but mostly it's joyous that he's back. Um, he it the timeline in this movie is weird because this was all filmed in 2019. Oh, I don't. I think I realized that. Yeah. yeah, it was a pre-pandemic filming, I think. And then everything, its release all got delayed by the pandemic. Right. The release or like some of the post-production and the release? I I think both. Both of those yeah. things. Because p- part of... Uh, so the cast... Stephanie Hsu was not the original uh, casting for Joy. Aquafina yeah. was. Mm-hmm. Which I like Aquafina, but she would have brought a wholly different dynamic. I and, love Aquafina. I can't see her like performing to that role. I can. It would be I different. I I can see her do that, but the because uh, I I don't think of Aquafina as just like. I think Crazy Rich Asians is peak Aquafina as far as people think of her. Sure. Movies. Um, that's why I, I'm so happy with the performance that she gave in Shang Chi, because that it was very un Aquafina. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was probably the most accepting and least judgmental person in that movie. Um, but the uh, yeah the reason that she couldn't do this movie is because she was flying to Australia to go work on Shang-Chi. They're like, Oh, well we need someone else. And they hired Stephanie Shu and then Shang-Chi called and said, Hey, we want you to play this character. She's like, ah, damn it. I'm doing this other thing. (laughs) And she's only in Shang-Chi as their, their friend at the bar scene that bookends the, the movie. Mm -hmm. Um, Because that, that was a reshoot. That, so that was like a a year and a half later reshoot. It's like, hey, we're in L.A. We're shooting these scenes. She's like, cool, I'm there. So that's how she ended up in Shang-Chi as well. Ah, That's cool. Yep. So that's 
three actors who were in both of those movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Kehu Kwan had talked about the fact <clears throat> that uh, he saw Crazy Rich Asians. Said it gave him FOMO. <laughs> right. And he's like, I... And that was what springboarded. He's like, I'm going to get back into acting. He called a friend, got an, who became his agent. I forget if it was two weeks or two months. It's still a very, very short amount of time that he, like he said, I'm getting back into acting. I have an agent. His agent brought him this script. Wow. That's how fast that went. Out of nowhere. Yep. Uh, and that actually adds uh, puts a little bit more context behind the anxiety of the the fanny pack scene. Mm-hmm. Because he's like, I, I don't want, like he's he's still been busy. Uh, uh, like I didn't know any of these things. Like he worked as a stunt coordinator on X Men. Yeah, he does a bunch of other stuff too. And he does have there. fifteen yeah. acting credits. And then uh, he, but it's then just like wrinkled a... out over the last forty years. Yep. Um, and a lot of it is not memorable. Like it was those two movies, you know, it's Goonies and Temple of Doom. And now it's this. Mm-hmm. Um, but like his, his job working on X-Men ended up giving, you know, putting him in a room with Wong Kar Wai, who he then went to go work with. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, oh, well, that explains a lot. <laughs> it's like if. If I had to make the decision between, eh, do I want to take my film school degree and keep trying to get acting jobs that no one's going to hire me for because I'm an Asian male, or do I want to take everything that I've learned in film school and go work <clears throat> with Wong Kar fucking Y? Yeah. <laughs> that, that's a no-brainer. <laughs> yeah, um, you jump on that one. And, and like, And tying into that, the the whole sequence of the universe where um, Michelle Yeoh is essentially playing herself as, as a <laughs> as, film as the, starlet. Uh, the, uh, the martial artist turned film star? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and reuniting with Waymond from that universe, who's you know a successful billionaire from you know getting into tech. It's like him there in the tuxedo, hair slicked back, uh, better frames like you're you're throwing some that entire scene felt like it was clipped out of a Wong Kar Wai movie <clears throat> yeah and which was on purpose that's what that was supposed to feel like oh excellent yeah um I will also add like the the crazy rich agents quick clip is actually taken from the red carpet of crazy rich agents mm-hmm. I thought and some of those were real footage so they are I'm waiting for someone to slow it down, but I, this sounds like a weird brag thing, but I have watched so many Michelle Yeoh movies as a kid and then as an adult, that hyper fast, like literally it's two frames. There are a few times I'm like, I know that movie, I know that movie, like there's a, like her Bond movie is in there. I'm like, and they can probably get away without asking for permission because it's so damn fast. It falls under fair use. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The the original script for this movie was that the character's name was not Evelyn Wong. The character's name was Michelle Yeoh. <laughs> okay. She was going to play um, an alternate universe version of herself. 
connecting oh, wow. with all of the other versions. She, the reason they didn't move forward with, with that is because Michelle said, she's like, I get this. This works. I, I get it. However, where it will fail as a film is that everyone will get stuck on the meta conversation about how I'm playing myself. Right. It's not going to work. It's not like Nick Cage being able to play Nick Cage in a movie. Like that is definitively something that we're all going to go watch. I am going to go watch it anyway. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and he's talked about that. Like he is very hyper aware and that's been something that's been part of his career, especially his later career in the past 10 years where he's like, what level of Nick Cage do you want? Do you want like a two? Do you want a seven? What do Which you is want? Which is funny. The movie he's got coming out now, he had to be convinced to do it. He was like, this is too much. Like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. he's He has said in interviews that this is one of the hardest performances that he's had to do because it's mm-hmm. he's not playing himself. He's right. playing other people's perception yeah. of who he is. Right. And that's got to be fucking weird. Yeah. So there's there's a degree where Michelle Yeoh was like, that's like, I don't want to do that in this movie. I want, it's like, I believe in this character. Let's give her a real name. Mm-hmm. Let me explore her. And that right. way we, we can still do all of this thing. And I I think she was right. Like, yeah, we would have gotten caught up and it would have felt like just too much. It would have felt more like parody rather than absurdity. Well, then, even if it's not, you know, the issue of like, oh, now it's become a parody. The, there is a, there. There's already so much message, or or so many messages. However, you want to look at it. Um, mm-hmm. That to add also that element of like, I am playing myself in an and an alternate version of myself would just be like one thing too many you know like like oh you've 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 used one too many flavor elements in this dish and now it's now it's weird yep it's like i don't understand this flavor profile at all mm-hmm. also mm-hmm. kind of bounce around a little bit too with some of the other performances uh mm-hmm. something that i don't think gets talked about a whole lot uh both michelle yo and jamie lee curtis did their own stunts in this movie so when you see them bashing each other they're doing it that when Jamie Lee Curtis's head gets slammed through a wall, granted it's drywall, it's not that dangerous. That's her doing that. I I didn't I didn't think that she was going to be an actress whose career I was going to be invested in in my when I was watching horror movies as a kid. Right. But she's fascinating. <laughs> yeah, and I, it's funny. I had. I had a moment watching um, everything probably about halfway through when stuff's really going at it and they're kind of facing off in one of the scenes. I had this moment where like the fanboy in me went, holy shit, you're, you're watching a movie with arguably the first like true female action star fighting the first scream queen. Like you're mm-hmm. watching cinematic royalty up there. Go at it. You're in nerd heaven. And I'm like, yes, I am. You know, it was just so fucking cool. Uh, There are other interviews with uh, more of the cast where she is like, she, I I think there's a a Vanity Fair or a uh, Esquire uh, video interview with 
like Michelle and Key and Jamie Lee and uh, Stephanie, mm-hmm. and I, I not not to bash Jamie Lee like this isn't a criticism, but she dominates a little bit of the the uh, the interview only because she's nerding out over all of her cast members the entire time. Yeah, that's very much on par with her too. Like she is such a fucking nerd about the things that she loves. She goes uh, to premieres and cosplays. Yes, she does. Oh, I didn't know that about her. She went to World of Warcraft premiere in her favorite orc costume. Do you know that that is one of the things that she's still irritated about is the fact that she wasn't in the World of Warcraft movie? Yes. Uh, and she is now marrying her daughter, performing the ceremony in a different World of Warcraft because mm-hmm. the daughter wants a pop culture, come dress as your favorite, whatever. So she's like, and yeah, she lamented. She's like, oh, I'm really bummed about supply chain issues because I found a really good creator online, but they're shipping it from here. And I'm really worried my costume's going to be late for my daughter's wedding. Aww. <laughs> yeah. She, yeah. like, she, she unabashedly loves, like, everyone that she was working with. She's like, I'm working with Michelle Yeoh. I'm working with Kehu Kwan. I'm working with James Hong. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> yeah, I, I think her exact quote was, I'm strapped to wires fighting Michelle fucking yo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. so, Norm, I hope that answers your question of how much yeah. fun do we think Jamie Lee Curtis was having on set. And then the other person I want to talk about really quickly, he's got an important role, but it's, in terms of screen time, it's, screen time is pretty small. Um, God damn that James Hong. He's a wily old man. <laughs> he's just... Because it's so weird. It's actually more weird for me to see him play someone that is less than ambulatory and not full of his senses because I know that's not James Hong. So when he then cuts loose in that scene, that I won't talk about. I feel like that's mm-hmm. that's kind of a fun thing to, for you to have sprung on you. But you're like, oh, yeah, there he is. Honestly, it's just weird to see it. For me, it's weird to see him because I'm I'm mostly used to him voice acting. Oh, yeah, in fact, he, he voice acted in one of the last episodes of Avatar that we watched. Mm-hmm. It was the same episode that we, or the same episodes that we talked about right after having seen uh, yep. every, everything everywhere. So that and, was actually like really and funny. In a way, I think kind of maybe like Cable, everything on, everything I see James Hong do is on the sliding scale of, um, Subtle low pan or over the top low pan? Because that's just, I fucking love that movie so much. And I love his portrayal of low pan in every different incarnation of low pan in that movie. That I, I can't help whenever I see him, I go, okay, what are we going to get? Oh boy. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> uh, yeah. So. Uh, uh, I think that. It's funny that you mentioned that his performance, because he's not just an old man. He there there is a performative oh, aspect yeah. to him being an old man in this. That's the same thing with uh, Michelle Yeoh. Like it took me a few minutes to adjust to the fact that she was putting on an accent. Like if you listen to her give interviews. And then you listen to the performance that she gave in this. It's like, that is not how you talk (laughs) (laughs) at all. 
you are you are very much putting on uh what like there is more in, uh of inflection and more of an accent from someone who is from mainland china right um something I wouldn't have caught, uh, but one of the reviewers from they call us Bruce was talking about the fact that both Ki Hui Kwan and uh, Michelle Yeoh were going back and forth between Cantonese and Mandarin in their Chinese, oh, and <laughs> they because they were supposed to. Oh, they're because supposed to. The the I, I believe they were speaking Cantonese specifically to James Hong's character, but then speaking Mandarin between themselves. Um, or, or I have that backwards. It's one of the yeah, two backwards. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I think I do have a back. So they're speaking Mandarin to, to the, the father slash grandfather and Cantonese among themselves, which is why joy didn't understand what the grandfather was saying. She didn't speak Mandarin. She only sp- spoke Cantonese. Yeah, which are still two different versions of Chinese, um, and they do sound different too. Yeah, um, and then interspersing that with th- this English word and that English word, it's like that felt s- like that was not the household I grew up in. I did not grow up in in a multi language household, uh, but I have been around families that are dual language, and that is what that sounds like. Where it's a string of words I don't understand, an English word, more words I don't understand, a sentence in English, and then more sentences and stuff. That's like, this is amazing. (laughs) I don't know what the Chinese version is, but we just call it Spanglish. Yep. Yep. That's that's my my conversations for sure. Although, you know, we only use the one kind of Spanish. uh, Unless you count like like the gibberish, like play words that I don't know other people use outside of my family. Oh, the closest things that I can think of are uh, when you refer to uh, Pacific Islander languages that uh, incorporate some English word and some native words, and it's referred to as pidgin. Right. Um, I don't know what the Japanese equivalent is. I can only think of it in um, in print form where it's referred to as English. where you use English words to sell things that have nothing to do with whatever the product is that you're selling. (laughs) Yeah. Or it's kind of a Japanese word and kind of an English word and not really either. Jen has uh, many that she bought in Tokyo that have what could be described as that written on the back. She's like, Mm -hmm. she's like, it's probably not they were going for, but okay. Oh, she really enjoys that sort of thing. Yeah. What's that t-shirt that she like duplicated? I don't remember. I think it had the name Jen in it. Was like it part does, of what yeah. tickled her so much. Yeah. I'll have to look for it again. I'll find it when I do the laundry. <laughs> this is true. Uh, but yeah, the, like it, it's neat to, to know how much of that was performative. And, and it's like, okay, these are 100% characters. These are characters you're portraying. And it... Yeah, it it also makes for like you don't have to know the fact that they're speaking Cantonese and Mandarin. Um, it it's still very immersive and allows you to be a part of this family. Um, I think I was struck too by the fact that 
I think in broad strokes, this would have worked had this been any immigrant family. I think so. Because there are, there are things in there that if it had been um, a Mexican family or a Russian family or, you know, and Somali family, there are elements that all of that is universal. I think so. I think the only thing that would really change uh, is the business because culturally mm-hmm. in America, Chinese basically were only allowed to own, you either had a restaurant or a laundromat. I think if mm-hmm. it was a Mexican family, it would very likely be a restaurant. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Uh, it that they has still very much. Them. Yeah, but it does have a very much universal American immigrant story, like immigrants to America story. Mm-hmm. Which I was really impressed by considering that it was the script. They've said this over and over. It was written for the people who were in it. Sure. <laughs> so I, I was very happy about that. It's like, oh, that's that's good. I'm glad that you could map this over onto someone else, even though it was written specifically. That says a lot about what what story you're trying to get across and what universal yeah. themes that you want. To and I think part of it is that the narrative can be universal. It is the nuances that become specific. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. very much so. Which is a good lesson. I think for anyone who wants to tell stories is that tell the, tell the story, right? Tell the story. You can figure out all the other things that you need to, but like, Find things that connect us all universally and then tell that story because that's, those are the stories we need to hear. Yeah. We we need to hear stories that are going to connect us and show that connection between us and then help lift us up. No, I agree. Um, that's going to avoid a shameless plug here, so. And I, I think that is a story that is reflected in Season of the Bruja <laughs> from Oni Press, it's right. written by Aaron Duran. I have gone out of the way to tell people that it is not a drawn by Sarah story. Sorry. That's right. That you will, you if, especially if you have any kind of immigrant past, you will, you will see yourself in this in certain elements. Like that was the point. Yep. Um, uh, just to bring it around to a couple of laughs. Um, Norm says, Lopan, Peter Pan is the name of my all trombone BTS cover band. And mm-hmm. that's a joke that only halfway makes sense unless you've been in the chat. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and uh, Kevin says that uh, he had a tote that he bought in Xiang that with text reading, Aloha Sunday morning bling you. I'm not sure where to, I was supposed to put the inflections there, so... Uh, I hope that sounded okay. Nowhere. You don't put any inflections in. <laughs> yeah. It's just Aloha no. Sunday morning bling you. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah. I think Jen's shirt is something like, uh, like rock and bling, uh, happy Jen or something. It's it's an odd write up. <laughs> English. So, should we uh, take a quick break and then come back with some Avatar? Yeah. Cool. Yes. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. That's right. This is a great place for us to take a quick break and thank our sponsors. First up, of course, we have got Bridge City Comics, 3725 North Mississippi Avenue. They have all of your comic book needs, and it doesn't even, you know, matter if it's still, you know, if it's on the shelf, it's still in print, they can order it for you. If it's not in print, 
well, I don't know what to do. Or maybe, you know, if it's a comic that no one's made yet and you want to make a comic and you're like, ah, man, but where do I sell my local comic? You know, Bridge City Comics has a really nice local creator section. As soon as you walk in, it's a shelf to the left there. You know, and you get to see a lot of work from, you know, people that are going it on their own. Their own zines, their own self-published comics. I mean, I I have been there many times. I will probably be there again. And it's always nice to have a local shop that believes in local creators. And Bridge City Comics is definitely one of those places. So go in there, pick up some comics, talk to the folks working there, find your fun books, and, uh, you know, support local business. And when you're there, thank them for being a sponsor of geek in the city radio just like guardian games at 345 southeast taylor street in portland oregon um yeah i keep talking about how like they've got the new layout and it it really is it is great um the uh the critical sip is up and running again so if you would like some tasty adult beverages while you peruse and or a game you can do so obviously you must be 21 or over to purchase said adult beverages but that's always kind of nice uh, all the in-store gaming is also back, um, and there's a lot of great new games that come in every single week at Bridge City Comics. We're starting to game in person again, so you're starting to feel that itch again. You know, as long as you do it safe, you know, pick up some pick up some new books, have some fun. Um, you know, a bunch of cool new stuff coming out from D&D right now, and I know that's not the only role-playing game out there, but pretty much everyone starts there. And uh, Bridge City Comics can get you, jeez, <laughs> Guardian Games can get your hook up. On getting started in the world of D&D, or really any RPG, your imagination is your only limit. So check them out, Guardian Games, 345 Southeast Taylor Street. And when you're there, thank them for being a sponsor of this very show, Geek in the City Radio. Hey, that rhymed. And we're back. I guess we're taking a real break really quick. Denise is taking a break. That's true. That's right. Um, <laughs> in case anyone was unclear, we all clearly love this movie go see it oh yeah go go watch go watch it and i think this weekend i'm going to try to see the northman i'm probably going to see i'll see that and well i know jen wants to see um unbearable weight of the massive talent so i'll wait for that yeah i don't probably see the north one on my own i don't know how to map all of this out um if that's true we should talk it was true uh, if you're going to go see the Northman on your own, we should talk. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, she has no interest in that one, and I really want to see it because, you know, it's David Eggers doing a Viking revenge story. How am I not going to want to see it? With Bjork as, I think, a Norse goddess. Yep. Of death. Like, um, okay. Yeah. The, the, um, like, the entire month of April was amazing for movies, and, like, Next week, we've got Doctor Strange. It's just... Yeah. Well, I, I should take that back. Like, Morbius is still clearly a piece of shit. But... <laughs> are you guys going to see that? Are... Morbius? Morbius? No. Yeah. no. 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 I mean, I'll... Eventually, if it's free, I'm not paying money to go see that movie. No. Okay, good. I was worried that you guys were going to want to see it, like, as completion, you know, being completionist. And I'm like, well, then I'm going to have to go see it so we can talk about it. But no, I, no, I, it, I, it really, I really don't want to give that guy any of my money. Is yeah. it not no, part we're of, talking. To, not really. Not part of anything. No, no, no. It it's a Sony produced movie, so it's tangentially related to anything they do with Spider Man, but 
it's not in the Marvel universe. It I don't not see them MCU. doing a crossover, so. No. Well, they're going to, they just announced El Muerto. That's just us. It's a ripoff Bane who literally appeared in two issues of The Amazing Spider Man back in like 2006. Great. But they're bragging like, Marvel finally has their first Latino superhero movie. And I'm like, great. You picked the cliched luchador criminal. Who even to Spider-Man fans was like, who? And Bad and, Bunny's going to play him? The actor, singer, Bad Bunny? I don't sure. know who that is. And it's a remake. America Chavez is in a Doctor Strange movie in two weeks. <laughs> One week. <laughs> I know. I think they were maybe specifically thinking like a Mexican Marvel character. America Chavez. <laughs> no, she's Puerto Rican. Okay. It's okay. a whole thing, True. man. Trust it. Yeah, it's a whole I mean, thing. I, 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 know, I know she's also from another universe, but like I know. she's from Puerto Rico in that, that universe. All I'm saying is, Marvel, you've got White Tiger just sitting there. Also, hire me to write White Tiger, please. It'd be awesome. Um, should we jump into Avatar? Yes. Actually, okay, you guys start it up, and it is my turn to... I have to run upstairs. Go pee. Oh. Um, what episodes were these? These were episodes seven and eight. I just yeah. watched them last night, and I just don't, I don't remember the title of them. Oh, yes, I do. Episode seven was Zuko Alone yeah. or something. And episode eight was... watchable um it was called the chase the chase thank you uh so yeah episode... i wrote very few notes on that one yeah let's, Epi- let's start at the beginning episode seven is the is zuko alone and it is literally a zuko episode there's no avatar none of the other av- none of the other characters are in it correct um, um it is solely a you know like him doing his own Clint Eastwood style thing where he's rides into an earth bending town and befriends a kid. And now I'm all by myself. <laughs> it's now the cable show folks. Um, but yeah, that's uh, so this is Zuko by himself and he uh, befriends a young kid and uh, takes on bullies in the, uh, this earth bending town. Um, and by bullies, I mean they're the town guards, but they're men who did not go to the front to fight in the war. I honestly don't know what happened to everybody. This is weird. Doo, doo, doo. Oh no, what happened? Oh, hi. Oh. Everybody fucking left. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Aaron actually said he would be right back. I accidentally hit a button. I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'm just sitting here talking to you, and poof, you were gone. I'm like, hey, it's the cable show now. <laughs> I don't know where Aaron went, but he said he was leaving. That's like, He at least gave warning. Yeah, I'm back I'm, now. I'm just a dumb-dumb. My throat hurts really bad. Mm. Anyway, I gave, I gave the recap of uh, the episode with Zuko. Oh, uh, uh, this is the I'm one sorry. time I will allow this joke. The one time. 
You're ah, watching on the text, cable yes. TV. You're watching cable TV. <laughs> Should, should uh, we go? Should we go? No, no, we should not. <laughs> All right. We got... <laughs> I did that on purpose. Um, you son of a bitch. Uh, we got <laughs> so much Zuko payoff so quickly. I was not expecting uh, that they were just going to throw <laughs> this much backstory and, like, essentially explanation about, you know, like, why Zuko is the way he is. Um I and like, it, and how it parallels like what is going on around him right now. Sure, um, I I think that they're definitely setting up his redemption arc. Um, yeah. So this is part of it. the The move that Nickelodeon made with this episode that surprised me the most mm-hmm. is that they're like, by the way, children can also be psychopaths. Yes, they and definitely laid that groundwork. Yeah. The, like that, they, in no uncertain terms, have said that Azula is a psychopath. She lacks empathy entirely. Mm-hmm. She, like, as soon as she figures out how to kill her father and take over the throne, she's going to. She is, she is, I'm, I'm going to say it now. I think she's an, uh, an unredeemable character. Yeah, I could see that. Like she is, she is cruel and manipulative and doesn't really seem to have any sense of remorse for the things that she does. Like that, Uh, that whole, um, Hey mom, this is how Azula feeds ducks and throws an entire loaf of bread at a duck and tries to drown it. Um, she's like, "What is wrong with you? Why did you think that was funny?" It's like, "But but Azula does it. Isn't that okay?" And she's like, "Nope." Right. <laughs> uh, you uh, for a bit there, I was gonna get. I was getting the feeling that like the mom did not see like how what a like, like what a little shit she was until. Until the time, until she finally does. But it was that was pretty fucking flagrant. She's like, uh, when Grandpa dies, you know, like what's what's up with that? It's just like so blasé and ruthless. I, I think that uh, the mother knew. The mother understood it that her daughter was not right. Do you and think that had anything to do with why she ran away? I don't think she ran away. I think she's dead. The mom. No, no, I think right. she took off because the, he wake she wakes Zuko up in the middle of the night to give him like cryptic messages about like, you know, like just, just you know, be who you really are, don't let anyone take that away from you, and then she disappeared. Unless she knew she was going to get killed, but I don't know. I think she was killed. I think she was offered up as sacrifice so that Zuko could live. Yeah. Because Zuko was going to get killed. Like that whole bit that Azula said, Dad has to kill you so that um, he knows what it's like to lose his firstborn son. Yeah, yeah. I wrote it down. It was. I don't like his whole reaction was uh, Azula always lies. Azula always lies. It's like, yeah, I think this is the one time she wasn't lying. You you must know the pain of losing a firstborn son by sacrificing mm-hmm. your own. Yep. 
Yeah, I wasn't super sure if I believed her or not because one hundred because she's super manipulative. Mm-hmm. Um, Sometimes telling the truth can also be a form of manipulation. Uh, well, then, how do you think that Azulon died? Since that happened on the same night, uh, I'm pretty sure Ozai killed him. So, I think o- that's how I read it too. I think Ozai killed his wife. I think Ozai killed. Azula, and I know right, Azula. So, the, so that means, hold on, hold on, hold on. But that means that Az, Azulon says to Ozai, "You have to kill your son Zuko." And if he decides instead to kill his father Azulon, why would he still go through with killing his son or agreeing to kill his wife in place of his son? It depends on the order of operations. As to when he killed who. Like, the... From what we've seen of Ozai, and what we've heard from uh, Zuko, Ozai would have totally killed Zuko. He would have gone, oh, okay. (laughs) That's true. You can see see the favoritism in the flashbacks, even though Ozai has no dialogue in any of them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, he they were trying to limit how much uh, dialogue they were giving him so that they could keep under wraps as much as possible that Mark Hamill is Ozai. Because <laughs> that was some fucking stunt casting. <laughs> ah. <laughs> like, it, you know, when we first heard Ozai in the, uh, the flashback, one of Zuko's first flashback episodes. It's like, wait a minute. I recognize that sinister laugh. That's the fucking Joker. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I, I do think she's dead. I, apparently there is a comic that is tied into the, uh, show that takes place after. Um, yes. And then there's, there's a flashback issue that explains exactly what happened to Zuko's mom. Serious, yeah. But yeah, that that was my take. Is that they, they they just fucking killed her? Yeah. Um, if I had been Ozai, I would have killed all three of them. Like, Azulon should have gone, killed off the wife, and killed off Zuko. Um, because he already knew, like, he had no use for Zuko. Azula is the only one that he's like, yeah, I, I'm going to keep fostering this. Until she gets too dangerous and is going to try and kill me, I will. I'll make sure that I use her as a weapon until I can kill her off too. That that all scans. Yeah, because I'm sure he has uh, like for the way they've based on the information they've given about given to us about Ozai, he's a megalomaniac. So, which means trying to become immortal is somewhere in his grand scheme. So he doesn't need heirs. Cool, 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 whether, cool, cool. You know, whether that's a real thing or not in their universe, that's got to be part of his mindset. Oh, and we also got to learn a bunch of stuff uh, about Uncle Iroh. Yep. Uh, firstly, he is actually the firstborn, was supposed to become the next Fire Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, and he 
well, we talked about this when it was mentioned uh, in the first season, the Battle of Ba Sing Se, where he surrendered. Or he didn't surrender, but he he gave up the siege. Now mm-hmm. we know that the reason he did that, you had said, uh, I believe, Cable, that it was, it was something strategic, like, this is bullshit and I don't want to do it. Um uh, because he's not super into this war that his, you know, his brother is pursuing. Uh, now we know that it's because his son died and he's pretty fucked up about it. Um, and he doesn't want to fucking fight this war. Yep. That would definitely be the thing that would make him go, oh, you know what? My, my, my brother's full of bullshit. <laughs> Although I guess it's not his brother that was pushing him to do it. It was his father. Yes. Yeah. That's, that is the other thing, so, I guess, that we learned. I didn't really extrapolate quite that far, but you're right. Uh, it's, it, it's it was his, the, yeah. It's, it's just war. the war of the fire kingdom. Like, right. It's this progressive expansion until they can take over everything. You know, like America. Um, what? I, Again, for anyone who's missing the symbology, <laughs> the Fire Nation is the United States. The Fire Nation is us. Yes. Uh-huh. We're the bad guys. <laughs> um, but yeah, we we got to see Zuko uh, have a little more growth as a character. Um, he still tried to do the right thing. Um even though it cost him even more. Like, being who he was made him yet again a pariah. Like, this small mm-hmm. town's like, well, we can't do anything to you because you're the fucking crown prince of the Fire Nation, but we don't want you here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you, he... You got to go. <laughs> he he reveals himself first as a member of the Fire Nation by, you know, using fire to save this these other kids this kid from these assholes um and then and which i don't know maybe would have been okay like it might have been a little bit touch and go but he had he did save that kid so they might have appreciated it by by outing himself as you know the the fucking heir to the fire nation um which turns out people know how that's been going for him Mm -hmm. uh it really fucking fuck shit up and uh and he went from like the like the admiration and like a misplaced love from this kid yep. uh, to just straight up hatred. Yeah, the gossip travels fast in fantasy Asia. Yeah, well, I mean, he's been <clears throat> exiled for a long time, like two years, I think. I don't. I was always under the impression that he had already been in exile for kind of a while before, like when when the show starts. Oh yeah, I, yeah. But I still think that's like two years. Like that's when he spoke, I thought about three. He's a sixteen-year-old when he spoke up against his dad. Um, he was somewhere between the ages of twelve and fourteen. Okay, and I guess how long do you think they've been traveling together now? Who? Um. Aang and the and the other the other kids like, like how long what would you say the time frame is in world uh, for for the show based on uh, when the comet is supposed to come back it's still within inside of six months okay well then yeah I guess it's, it's it really hasn't been all that long for him um, cool 
Okay. Yeah, because uh, if I'm remembering correctly, that that was the kind of the deadline that Aang was given is like, yeah, this comet's coming back in like six months. And he's like, oh, shit. I'm supposed to learn firebending, water bending, and earth bending in six months right. and take on Ozai. Okay, thanks, Destiny. That sounds great. <laughs> no pressure at all. None. None. All right. Um, and then real quick, because I know we're coming up on time. Do you have any thoughts you want to share about the about episode eight, The Chase? Um, I mean, visually, that's one hell of an episode for me. So, like, I don't know how I feel overall about the... the the trope of putting the two girls against each other in the troop um which i don't know how they would have done that any other way like when they're like guitar is trying to get tof to pitch in and and not seeing that tof has this chip on her shoulder of like no i'm i'm doing i'm taking care of myself you take care of you because she feels like she has to prove herself over and over and over again. So like right. they were both they were both right and they were both wrong. But like neither Aang or Sokka are the ones that are going to say, here's the chores list, everyone do this, everyone do that. Like getting Aang to pay attention to anything for more than twenty minutes is asking a lot. And Soka is more reactionary than he is precautionary. Right. I, I think the problem isn't the trope of these two girls not getting along. It's that Kataro is written the way she's written and the other mm-hmm. and the boys were written as more carefree and mm-hmm. reactive or less domestic, I guess, mm-hmm. for lack of a to really really boil it down. Like she's the one who cares that these things get done. Yep. Uh, get done correctly, that it's that the that the work is equitable. Um yeah, so like if anything, the problem is that they wrote Katara and Sokka in those in those tropes right from the beginning. Yeah, because uh, because now it's established that that's the kind of girl that she is, the kind of person that she is, and then Tove comes along and they establish right away that she's got an attitude about the way she's been raised uh, because she was sheltered, but also super entitled and privileged. Mm-hmm. It's exactly what's going to happen. It, it's I don't like it either. I absolutely agree, but it's it that's the only thing that makes sense because of the way the characters were developed. So I'm I'm hoping that that lasts this episode and we're done with that particular. Dynamic. Hopefully, oh, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> Aang and Sokka and Katara all sort of figured out their shit eventually. Mm-hmm. And they're all also all still figuring out their shit. And again, it it, it gets back to this is a what two sixteen year olds and a twelve year old. Yeah. Or a sixteen year old, a fourteen year old, and a twelve year old. I forget their ages. And Toph is right right around the same age as um, Ang. Is Ang? Um, I'm not sure if this is the death of Iroh. At this point, Oof. that was brutal. Yep, yeah. which again cements the whole. 
Azula is a psychopath. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she she really does not care that I'm that also, guy is her family. I'm also starting to think that Azuka. I know they keep saying it, but I can't shake this whole character point of her that she's actually not a firebending protege, but that she wants it so bad that she just pushes it on herself so hard, mm-hmm. which makes her even more dangerous. I I don't know, because we got those flashbacks in the previous episode where she's showing off her grandpa and she's fucking killing it while Zuko, who in, you know, in, in the same episode, we see him like kick six dudes ass, uh, is nowhere near as talented as she is, or at least not as skilled at that no, time. I know. I, I think that's just, I'll have to spend more time thinking on this. So what I say makes more sense. I, I follow what you're talking about. I th- do think that that is part and parcel of making Azula the way that she is. Um, like it ties into her being, if she's a prodigy at firebending and it comes easy to her, then it's not work. It is just, which falls more into she's do everything that she asks for because she thinks it is. Mm-hmm. That's why she like the, the two girls that she's now traveling with and using as bounty hunters. They're clearly, they're not friends. They're considered friends because they grew up together, but Azula doesn't have friends. No, at she, all. Treats, she treats those girls like shit. Yeah, yeah, those two girls are friendly with each other. They're not friends either because they have different agendas, mm-hmm. clearly. Um, like, I, I don't think any of those three... I think the jury's out on the... the. Sorry, I don't want to be so absolutist with the gymnast because she. I, I've seen things from season three, so... But uh, Dark Girl... Uh, she also doesn't have friends because yeah she's like she's the the sociopath to azula's psychopath (laughs) um but they're they're definitely not friends and i don't think azula can have friends and and so like things coming easy to her would feed into that whole narrative of like yeah I i can just do this because i can screw it Think you can you can and, have and it all things come less. to you easily, but still be driven. And, and she is, um, but I don't know what that drive is. To be like, the next Fire Lord. Yep. Yeah. That's that's hmm. what I'm reading anyway. Yeah, that that's a read that makes sense. I am still curious as to why her powers look more like electricity at this point. Um, that apparently <laughs> gets explained soon. Okay. Yeah, I think cool, so. Cool, cool, cool. Um, I, <clears throat> I asked, like, I have a co-worker who is Avatar of the Last Airbender is their favorite thing in the world, and they've been after me to watch it for the entire time I've known them. Um, <laughs> if we ever have a spot where She's like, I want to be on your podcast. I want to be on your podcast. I want to be on I'm like, okay. I get we'll figure it. something out. Yeah. Um, but 
yeah, she says that the the whole blue fame slash lightning gets explained a little more as we as we get into this season. Cool. Yeah. So, cool. Yeah. All right. I think that's a good place to wrap up the show. Yeah. Next week, um, we'll probably have more Avatar. Uh, maybe we'll talk about the Northmen, depending on what happens over the next few days. Sounds that sounds okay. reasonable. Yeah. Um, right. I know we're coming up on the. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, we'll no. have. Uh, I, I was going to say we're coming up on the end of things, but I think we're like still a couple of weeks away from being able to go. And here's what we thought about Picard. And here's what we thought about Moon Knight. And uh, we are getting close, though. Yeah. In fact, I believe this week is both of their uh, penultimate episodes. Mm-hmm. Oh, like five right. for Moon Knight and nine for Picard. So we're getting yep. up there. Yeah, sure. So fast. Uh, um, and then next week is also, <laughs> which cracks me up, that it's on May fourth. The premiere? No, it, it is May fifth. I forget. It, it's May fifth. Is the premiere of Strange New Worlds? Yay! Oh shit! That's right. May fifth. Uh-huh. Oh, oh my god! Woohoo! Uh, cool. Well, that all sounds like we got a lot coming forward. So, yep. With that, I'm Aaron Duran. I'm Benarita. And I'm Cable Hashitani. We'll talk to everybody next week. <laughs>